Welcome to Puritans Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode three of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford. To Marion McNaught, The Threatened Introduction of the Service Book, Troubles of the Church, Private Wrongs. Anwath, 2nd June, 1631. Well-beloved sister, my love in Christ remembered. I have received a letter from Edinburgh, certainly informing me that the English service and the organs and King James Psalms are to be imposed upon our Kirk and that the bishops are dealing for a general assembly. A.R. hath confirmed the news also and says he spoke with Sir William Alexander, footnote, afterwards Earl of Stirling, who is to come down with his prince's warrant for that effect. I am desired in that received letter to acquaint the best affected about me with that storm. Therefore, I entreat you and charge you in the Lord's name. Pray, but do not Communicate this to any till I see you. My heart is broken at the remembrance of it, and it was my fear, and answereth to my last letter except one that I wrote unto you. Dearly beloved, be not cast in down, but let us, as our Lord's doves, take us to our wings, for other armor we have none and flee into the hole of the rock. It is true, A.R. says, the worthiest men in England are banished and silenced about the number of 16 or 17 choice gospel preachers, and the persecution is already begun. Footnote, this seems to refer to the silencing of Puritans by Laud, then Bishop of London, Archbishop of Canterbury from 1633. He became Charles I's chief advisor in religious matters. Howbeit, I do not write this unto you with a dry face. Yet, I am confident in the Lord's strength. Christ and his side shall overcome, and you shall be assured. The Kirk were not a Kirk, if it were not so. As our dear husband, in wooing his kirk, received many a black stroke, so his bride, in wooing him, gets many blows, and in this wooing there are strokes upon both sides. Let it be so. The devil will not make the marriage go back, neither can he tear the contract. The end shall be mercy. Yet notwithstanding of all this, We have no warrant of God to leave off all lawful means. I have been writing unto you the counsels and drafts of men against the Kirk, but they know not, as Micah says, the counsel of Jehovah. The great men of the world may make ready the fiery furnace for Zion, but trow ye that they can cause the fire to burn? 
No. He made the fire. He that made the fire, I trust, shall not say amen to their decrees. I trust in my Lord that God hath not subscribed their bill and their conclusions have not yet passed our great king's seal. Therefore, if ye think good, address yourself first to the Lord and then to A.R. Anent the business that you know. I am most unkindly handled by the presbytery and as if I had been a stranger and not a member of that seat to sit in judgment with them, I was summoned by their order as a witness against B.A., but they have got no advantage in that matter. Other particulars you shall hear, God willing, at meeting. Anent the matter betwixt you and I.E., I remember it to God. I entreat you in the Lord, be submissive to his will. For the higher that their pride mounts up, they are the nearer to a fall. The Lord will more and more discover that man. Let your husband in all matters of judgment take Christ's part for the defense of the poor and needy and the oppressed, for the maintenance of equity and justice in the town. And take you no fear. He shall take your part, and then you are strong enough. What? How be it you receive indignities for your Lord's sake? Let it be so. When he shall put his holy hand up to your face in heaven, and dry your face, and wipe the tears from your eyes, judge if you will not have cause then to rejoice. Anent other particulars, if you would speak with me, Appoint any of the first three days of the next week in Carlton, when Carlton is at home, and acquaint me with your desires. And remember me to God, and my dearest affection to your husband, and for Zion's sake, hold not your peace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and your husband, and children. To John Kennedy, deliverance from shipwreck, escape from threatened death, use of trials, remembrance of friends. Anwath, 2nd February, 1632. My loving and most affectionate brother in Christ, I salute you with grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I heard with grief of your great danger of perishing by the sea, but of your merciful deliverance with joy. Sure I am, brother, Satan will leave no stone unrolled, as the proverb is, to roll you off your rock, or at least to shake and unsettle you. For at the same time, the mouths of wicked men were opened in hard speeches against you, by land, and the prince of the power of the air was angry with you by sea. See then how much you are obliged to that malicious murderer who would beat you with two rods at one time. But blessed be God, his arm is short. 
If the sea and winds would have obeyed him, you had never come to land. Thank your God who saith, I have the keys of hell and of death. Revelation one eighteen. I kill and make alive. Deuteronomy 32.39 The Lord bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. 1 Samuel 2.6 If Satan were jailer and had the keys of death and of the grave, they should be stored with more prisoners. You were knocking at these black gates and found the door shut, and we do all welcome you back again. I trust you know it is not for nothing that you are sent to us again. The Lord knew you had forgotten something that was necessary for your journey, that your armor was not as yet thick enough against the stroke of death. Now, in the strength of Jesus, dispatch your business. That debt is not forgiven, but deferred. Death hath not bidden you farewell, but hath only left you for a short season and your journey ere the night come upon you. Have all in readiness against the time that you must fall through that black and impetuous Jordan. And Jesus, Jesus, who knoweth both those depths and the rocks and all the coasts, be your pilot. The last tide will not wait for you one moment. If you forget anything when your sea is full, and your foot in that ship. There is no returning again to Fitchet. What you do amiss in your life today, you may amend tomorrow, for as many sons as God maketh to arise upon you. You have as many new lives, but you can die but once, and if you mar that business, you cannot come back to mend that piece of work again. No man sinneth twice in dying ill, as we die but once, so we die, but ill or well, once. You see how the number of your months is written in God's book, and as one of the Lord's hirelings, you must work till the shadow of the evening come upon you. And you shall run out your glass, even to the last grain of sand. Fulfill your course with joy, for we take nothing to the grave with us, but a good or evil conscience. And although the sky clear after this storm, yet clouds will engender another. You contracted with Christ, I hope, when first you began to follow him, that you would bear his cross. Fulfill your part of the contract with patience, and break not to Jesus Christ. Be honest, brother, in your bargaining with him, for who knoweth better how to bring up children than our God? For to lay aside his knowledge, which there is no searching out. He hath been practiced in bringing up his heirs these five thousand years, and his children are all well brought up, and many of them are honest men now at home, up in their own house in heaven, and are entered heirs to their father's inheritance. Now, the form of his bringing up was by chastisements, scourging, correcting, nurturing. See if he maketh exception of any of his children. Revelation 3.19, Hebrews 12.7 and 8. No, 
his eldest son and his heir, Jesus, is not accepted. Hebrews 2.10 Suffer we must. Ere we were born, God decreed it. And it is easier to complain of his decree than to change it. It is true, terrors of conscience cast us down. And yet, without terrors of conscience, we cannot be raised up again. Fears and doubtings shake us. And yet, without fear and doubtings, we should soon sleep and lose our hold of Christ. Tribulation and temptations will almost loose us at the root. And yet, without tribulations and temptations, we can now no more grow than herbs or corn without rain. Sin and Satan and the world will say and cry in our ear that we have a hard reckoning to make in judgment. And yet none of these three, except they lie, dare say in our face that our sin can change the tenor of the new covenant. Forward then, dear brother, and lose not your grips. Hold fast the truth, for the world sells not one drachm weight of God's truth, especially now when most men measure truth by time, like young seamen setting their compass by a cloud. For now time is father and mother to truth in the thoughts and practices of our evil time. The God of truth establish us, for alas, now there are none to comfort the prisoners of hope and the mourners in Zion. We can do little except pray and mourn for Joseph in the stocks and let their tongue cleave to the root of their mouth who forget Jerusalem now in her day and the Lord remember Edom and render to him as he hath done to us. Now, brother, I will not weary you, but I entreat you, remember my dearest love to Mr. David Dixon, with whom I have small acquaintance, yet I bless the Lord. I know he both prayeth and doeth for our dying Kirk. Remember my dearest love to John Stewart, whom I love in Christ, and show him from me that I do always remember him and hope for a meeting. The Lord Jesus establish him more and more, though he be already a strong man in Christ. Remember my heartiest affection in Christ to William Roger, whom I also remember to God. I wish the first news I hear of him and you and all that love our common Savior in those bounds may be that ye are so knit and linked and kindly fastened in love with the Son of God that ye may say, Now, if we would never so fain escape out of Christ's hands, yet love hath so bound us that we cannot get our hands free again, he hath so ravished our hearts that there is no loosing of his grips. The chains of his soul-ravishing love are so strong that neither the grave nor death will break them. I hope, brother, yea, I doubt not of it, that you lay me and my first entry to the Lord's vineyard and my flock before him who hath put me in his work. As the Lord knoweth, since first I saw you, I have been mindful of you. Marion not doth remember most heartily her love to you and to John Stewart. 
Blessed be the Lord that in God's mercy I found in this country such a woman to whom Jesus is dearer than her own heart when there be so many that cast Christ over their shoulder. Good brother, call to mind the memory of your worthy father, now asleep in Christ, and as his custom was, pray continually and wrestle for the life of a dying, breathless Kirk, and desire John Stuart not to forget poor Zion. She hath few friends, and few to speak one good word for her. Now I commend you, your whole soul and body and spirit, to Jesus Christ and his keeping, hoping you will live and die, stand and fall with the cause of our master, Jesus. The Lord Jesus himself be with your spirit. That was episode three of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford.